This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast, and this is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today, I'm so excited to be talking to Ginny Urich. She's the founder of the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. She has a few books by the same name, 1000 Hours Outside. <laughs> and she also has a new book coming out called Until the Street Lights Come On. Tell me the exact title because I know I That's got that it. a little bit. It's called Until the Street Lights Come On. <laughs> Oh, I said it right. Until the streetlights come on. So I'm so excited to talk to Ginny today about developing our own family rule. You know, we've been talking on this podcast about the Benedictine rule and how we can exemplify these practices of order and prayer and work and balance in our lives today. But what all this learning comes to is a need to develop our own family culture, like our own family rule. We don't all have to do the same things. And the more we define that for ourselves, the more of a culture we'll have to pass on to our kids. And this is what I want to talk to Jenny about today. Thank you for joining me, Jenny. I'm so happy to be here. I just love you. I have to tell you that I just, I mean, I ran into the room. We are reading the book, The Endless Step, as our family read aloud this week. And that is right out of Mothering by the Book. So we're not reading it this week. We've actually been reading it for a while because I never get done as quickly as I would hope. But this is a story about Esther and it's her autobiography and she goes out to Siberia. It's in World War II. And so our kids are loving it. So I think about you every day because we're reading that book. I actually have a pile of books that were recommended in Mothering by the Book and we're working through them this year for our school. So I love that. Oh, how fun. That's such an amazing book. It's not one of the main chapter books, but one of the recommended ones. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an another intense book about a family that survived being, yeah. uh, I, I don't remember what the word, like basically they were sent away to Siberia yeah. as it was a, like a political punishment, essentially. Right. Crazy. So right. what I wanted to talk about today is, like I said, the family rule or the family culture, because, you know, we have so many choices in America as homeschoolers. There are so many things we can do. And that is part of the problem, I think, is that it's hard for us to develop our own culture. You know, if you were, for instance, in an Orthodox Jewish family, you would, because of your culture, keep a Sabbath every week. You would, because of your culture, you know, honor your parents. Some of these things that are sort of handed down through millennium. If you were, you know, in maybe a Mormon family or a Islamic family or a family living in Armenia or a family living in Japan, you would have cultural constraints because those countries have such a strong culture or those religions have such a strong culture. But sometimes as American Protestant Christians, we're like, anything goes, we can do whatever we want. And it's wonderful to have all that freedom, but it's, it can be kind of a bummer when we don't have any of these beautiful boundaries or structures or rhythms that help us become who we want to be. You as a family though, you guys have a family culture. Like you spend a thousand hours outside every year. You guys have a family culture of going to conferences. I've been at conferences with you. You bring your whole family. Everybody's there meeting people, enjoying the, the culture of the conferences. So you guys do these really amazing things as a family, which means you're not doing other things. How did you get confident about that? Because I know 
as moms, sometimes when we choose one thing, we're saying no to something else, and it can be easy to feel bad about that. Hmm. That's a really good question. It is tricky. I like what you said about the other cultures, even the Amish. I had read a book about the Amish, and it was the same thing. It, it said basically that even if a child, like let's say they lost both their parents, there was a tragic accident or something in an Amish community, that another family would take you in and that their life would look very similar to yours. Obviously, it's not your parents. It's not your siblings. But there would be this consistency And it's such an interesting thing to think about, isn't it, Jen, that even within my own community, the friends that I have who also homeschool, who have similar worldviews, similar values, our lives look fairly different. And it it is a tricky thing to figure out what you want to be all about. I think for us, we are a daily bread type of family. So my goal is to live as fully as we can today. I think that that is the best preparation for tomorrow. And so what we have is we have this set of things that are sort of our non-negotiables, but they kind of go down in order, right? Well, it's like, you know, what's some top priorities? Homeschooling is a top priority for our family. Getting outside is a top priority for our family. We have this read aloud that we're doing. We have these different elements, music, and it kind of goes down the list. And as we don't have time for them, we just knock off the bottom ones. That's sort of how we live. And I don't know if that's how other people live, but you know, what's at the bottom is cleaning our house. That's near the bottom. It's near the top if we're having company come over. But on a day-to-day basis, That's closer to the bottom because if there's an opportunity to get together with our community, if there's an opportunity to touch base with grandparents, that type of thing, we're going to do that. And sometimes the things that are at the bottom of the list just don't happen. And so I think that that is really the only way I have figured out to live and not lose my mind because you can't do everything. And it was really easy, I think, to get caught up in what we're not doing, especially since we can see the lives of everyone else through social media and see, okay, I'm not doing that. That person's got that area of life down pat and I don't. But we just have this limited time and limited capacity. And so we embrace that and look at it day by day. Yeah, that's so good. And I and I have seen that in your family that you guys you you do what you do and you do it really full and you're giving your kids these amazing experiences. But yeah, then obviously there are things they're not doing. I know one of the things that we haven't done is sports. And I have had kids at times say to me, you know, I wish we'd done sports. And it's just, I mean, I feel bad. I will express empathy with them for the way they feel in that moment. But what we have done is taken mission trips to Mexico or gone to Italy or, you know, done great homesteading projects where my daughter now can butcher a goat on her own and provide her own meat. Like we've done things that are different, but they, they're, they're also valuable. And they're the things that we as parents chose to do. How, what do you do? Like if your child came to you and they said, you know, I wish we hadn't gone to conferences so much. How do we as moms build that culture for our kids and empathize with them without necessarily changing our culture? If it's what we feel we should be doing. Right, because they don't want to go to the conferences. I mean, that is the truth. And what's an interesting thing to me is that they can be connected to their friends digitally while we're gone. And 
in some ways, that seems like that's great. They could still text a friend. They could call a friend. We're out of the state and they can touch back. But the problem is, is that actually also makes them resentful because they're missing this party. They're missing that get together and they know it. And so it's a tricky thing. They they have their interests, especially we're hitting ages 14, 15. They have their things that they really want to do. I just, I'm a firm believer that our plan, God's plan for our family includes the parents and the children. And so we try and keep a balance. We're doing eight conferences this year. I could have done 20. You know, we, the invitations come in and we say no based off of how many weekends are we going to be away? How many things are we going to miss? And what parts of the year are busier and we can't make that happen? But I do believe that the experiences, kind of like exactly what you were talking about, that the different experiences that we choose, they provide things for our kids that will be helpful for them in adulthood. So in the case of conferences, they're out meeting different people. They're having a chance to work at a booth. They're performing. I know Ella's done similar things. It, it opens the door for them too, to have different types of experiences. And, and even in our own home, they have opportunities to work from home. They can work here. They can earn a little bit of money. So we talk about that, that nothing is perfect. There's always a give and take. We're trying to find a balance with it. In some cases, maybe they do stay home with a friend if something as important is going on or they, or we fly them home. They've got something that they really want to be at. And so it's this give and take, but really it goes back to it's this daily bread, this daily decision what are we going to do today? We're going to figure it out today. And we adjust if we need to. Right. And I love that because there are so many ways to be a family. There doesn't have to be this one all-American way to be a family. Like like you said, your children are meeting new people and exploring new places. They're in all kinds of different states. And and you guys don't just go to a conference. You go to a, a nature center. You go to a park. You go meet a celebrity. You know, you 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 make the experience really full for your children. And so you're, they're having this slightly countercultural childhood in a way, but it's, it's very much values based. Like you guys have a real purpose behind it. And one of the reasons that people want you at conferences so much is that you guys also have this really strong value of spending time outside. How did you come to that decision or how did that become such an important value for your family? Well, really, Jen, all of our decisions have stemmed from failure and that's where we're at. I mean, I struggled as a mom and I still struggle as a mom. I think I, what I struggle with right now is is making the decisions of how we use our time because constraints also come in the form of small children. Now, small children seem like a burden and in a lot of ways they are really hard. But one of the cool things about small children is that they put boundaries into your life. You have to be there to nurse. You you have to be around and you wish for free time. But when they get older and that free time comes, then you don't totally know what to do with it. It's really a tricky thing. We're kind of right in that spot now where y- you don't have those external boundaries and limitations which in some ways were actually really good. So I, we're always struggling through it. I really struggled when our kids were small, Jen, with the endless needs. I wasn't prepared for it. I didn't realize it was going to be so overwhelming. So mine was a path, but 
just circumstantially very small influences. A friend at Mops who had read Charlotte Mason, and it was a one-day experience for me personally where we went outside for four hours and my kids were three and under, and it changed my life because I felt like I couldn't be a good mom and I went outside and then I felt like I could be a good mom, but went outside for a lengthy period of time, enough time for the kids really to dive into their surroundings and enough time for me to really relax and let things go. And so it started there and it continues to be definitely a guiding point in our lives because I think it's the answer to a lot of modern parenting problems. It helps with connection. It helps with development, obviously, in every area for children. It helps us with our mental health. It helps with being present. It helps with spiritual formation. If that's something that you're interested in looking for, certainly that is there as well. There's so many guiding principles in creation. And so it has continued to be this answer for us that we fight for because it does solve so many problems. Oh, I love that you, you know, you encompass or encapsulated quite a few values. So basically your family practice is that you get outside every day, but your family values are spiritual formation and um, proper development and connection and um, being present. So these are, these are values that you have, and then you're living them out by making a practice of being outside every day. Because I think many families can evaluate what matters to them. Like they can say, you know, it really matters to me to be a person of integrity. It really matters to me to be a good steward. But then their daily practices are actually very far away from their values. And so, you know, they, they're distracted by what other people are doing and they shelve their own values to follow someone else's practice. And so I, I love that you guys, you know your values and then this practice of being outside kind of solves a lot of the, value uh, um, acquisition or the value presentation or, you know, the, the living by your values just by being outside. What are some of the things that you know, you know, you guys are doing, you know, these couple of things like family time, family business and outside time. Are there things that you feel like you've had to give up to make time for that? Like you're, you know, there, there are other good values that you maybe. <laughs> yes. Feel. Like my home, like the state of my home. Yeah. You know, what's interesting though. I actually, I really got a lot out of Leah, Leah Bowden's book when she talked about getting help. And it's something that I've been mulling around that we can't do everything. And she put that in her book. I thought that was pretty vulnerable. She said, we, we got help. And we use our money to get help with some of these other things. And yeah, so it's that. I'm a top priority for us is community. And so I will let go of getting a podcast up, of getting up a post on social media. If we have people to spend time with, then we're going to do that. And so there's just that trust that if we can go for it today and love people today, that things are going to work out. And they do. It's not perfect. I mean, I have to I have to be okay with the imperfections. Like I would love to have a clean home. I see people's posts all the time on social media. Like there's this one guy, he's like runs everywhere. And I don't know if you've seen him. He's like a physical, like almost like comedian. He jumps from thing to thing. And I don't know. And his house always looks like it's straight out of an Airbnb catalog. And I look at that and I think, I, I don't even ever videotape anything in my house because <laughs> it's just kind of trashed. And 
not all the time, but more so than I would like. And clutter does affect you mentally. I think it can. But I know that in time, that piece of the puzzle won't be an issue anymore. It's because we have seven people living here and we homeschool and we're home all the time and we have a home-based business. And so it just is part of the season. And I guess what's interesting is that part doesn't really it uh, doesn't really affix to any sort of value. I mean, I guess, what did they say? Is there, there's a saying about cleanliness. Cleanliness is next to godliness or I don't know. I'm, I'm off with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing, like, I really appreciate that you are vulnerable about not trying to do everything. Like we just can't do everything. And so, and there are seasons, you know, right now, um, it is one of my values to have a really like clean and welcoming home. But my, I'm looking around really quick, um, but my bedroom right now looks like a bomb went off because I'm editing a book, I'm editing a podcast, I'm editing a, you know, I'm editing a curriculum, whatever. There's all these projects going on and we just can't do everything all at once. And my grandchild was here this weekend. And so I spent, you know, every day, like as much time as I could sitting on the porch with my grandbaby, sitting on the couch with my grandbaby, like I just wanted to be with yeah. her. And so I think it is so important that we, that we prioritize people basically. And so what is it that makes the people in our home feel comfortable? And sometimes it's, it's not the perfection of our atmosphere. Sometimes it's just having a welcoming atmosphere and good food on the table and Mm -hmm. a a happy smile on our face. Yeah. So is there, you know, for families who are kind of trying to figure out like, what are we about? You've interviewed on your podcast so many amazing people and really like your mind must be so blown by all the information you've learned and all the things that really matter in terms of raising children. What are like a couple of the top values that you've taken away? Like you're like, I've listened to this talk and now we are definitely going to do this. Oh, you know, Jen, it's all small things. It's all small things. So I had on this company called Go Ruck. R-U-C-K, go ruck. And so this is an example of a small thing. So they talk about rucking, which is walking with weight on your back. And that's what humans apparently are meant to do. That's a special thing about humans that we're able to walk and carry things, walk on two legs and and carry things. And so they talk about how if you're going to go for a walk, throw some weight on your back. And what that does is that strengthens your skeletal system and it makes it a way better workout. It's better on your joints than running. And it's a really good workout because it's burning more calories. And so we talked for an hour about that. It's just an interesting thing that there are, this is what I think. I think that there are a lot of easy solutions out there. And maybe easy is the wrong word. Maybe simple is the better word. I guess it's not easy to walk with weight on your back. But it's a simple solution to say, look, if we're already out walking around the block, then I can throw this backpack on and it will make a big difference. And I think that's a big theme. I mean, let's talk about your book. You come on, you talk about mothering by the book. Well, I never thought of that before, that I could glean from these different fictional or maybe autobiographical mothers. And when I read these books to my kids, I can get things out of them too. So I got your list of books from Mothering by the Book, and that's what we're doing this year for our read aloud. So it's just these small things that end up enhancing your life in big ways. And I think that's important because I don't have a lot of capacity with having children and the things that we do. And so 
I just love the easy, the simple, the simple, I should say, the simple solutions that have the capacity to really change our lives in significant ways. I mean, Kim John Payne, you and I relate over him. And when he comes in and he says, look, like when things are all knotted up, don't pull on it and make it tighter. Let it breathe. So when you're in this situation where things are heated and you're having health problems and things are going wrong at work and maybe there's family issues, it's like we have this tendency to pull and tighten and make it worse. And it's like, no, just let it breathe, loosen. Then you can untie the knot. So these fairly simple concepts that I had on, I had on, um, he's friends with Kim John Payne and his name is Luis, Luis Fernando Yosa. And he wrote a book with Kim John Payne about sports, but he says in his book, like youth sports culture, kind of like what you're talking about. He says, when, when our kids are bored, we have not failed. Now that's a huge statement, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one <laughs> sentence. That is a huge sentence. When our kids are bored, we have not failed. Like every parent needs to have that written on their wall because it feels like a failure. It feels like, well, we should be doing more and we should be painting the sourdough bread to look like a meadow and we should be doing all these crafts. And sometimes we just don't have the capacity for all that. And our lives look like these periods of emptiness, but that's good for our kids too. So it's been a, a good theme of people coming on the podcast to talk about, it tends to be like, one or two big things that has changed their life and then they come on to share about it. Yeah, and it's really exciting to me because it does reiterate the truth that we don't all have to be like everyone else. Like like children who aren't in school six hours a day and then playing sports every night after school can actually, children who don't do that sometimes have better outcomes. You know, children maybe need a little bit more time. Like if you as a family choose a different path, choose to be outside more or choose to travel more or choose to just sit on the couch and read books more, your kids are going to be great. You don't have to because there's so many families who see what kids are doing in the schools and then they feel worried that their kids aren't doing enough and they, they end up piling so many more things onto their family culture so that it kind of drowns out who they would be if they could just be themselves, you know, and so I, I really want to see families come alive with this idea that, you know, there were families in the past who did a lot of homesteading work together and their children grew up and were successful. There were families in the past who traveled a lot and their children grew up and were successful. There are families who, yes, they went to school six hours a day and they were successful. So there are many ways to raise wonderful, well-adjusted children. Mm. But I think a big part of it is just being confident in what your way is. Right. Because if all outcomes are the same at the end, let's just say you could take this path or that path or this path. And you had a sense that in the end, your child is going to turn out to be well adjusted. They don't have to be filthy rich. They don't have to own a mansion or a yacht just to say well adjusted. I think that's such a great way to put it. If if all these paths could lead, because I think that we're taught that there's only one path. That's what I was taught. There is one path to that final outcome. But if instead there are many paths to the same outcome, then why not just take the path that lights you up? I mean, our kids share our genetics. They share so much of what our family is already about, even extended family, that it would make sense that what we're sort of drawn to do 
is going to help them as well, right? That's what I think. The the sort yes. of talents and especially in a greater family sense, like if you throw in grandparents, if you throw in aunts and uncles, and you allow your kids to be exposed to your extended family, if it's functional and things are okay, well, then we all share the same genes, and so. There's going to be someone I think that relates, you know, I mean, like I've got a daughter that is like head over heels in love with dogs and I'm not a dog person, but her aunt is, I mean, has so many animals and so many pets, you know, it's like you're going to the zoo when you go over there. So this is a great thing for my daughter. We go there. She has all these pets. And so I just think, I think that our kids and the way that we, the way that we structure our family is going to work for our kids because they came from us. And so I don't know. I was just talking to this lady today. She said she's a fourth generation artist and now she teaches nature school study, uh, journaling, nature journaling. And you know, that's it. Well, that, that's like what her family was about. They were all artists. And now here she's got this business and now her kids, she called her kids fifth generation artists. So I just think it comes down to trust and it's a hard thing to trust, but I don't know. You said it. There are many ways. John Taylor Gatto said it. He said, there are as many ways to become educated as there are fingerprints. Oh, such a beautiful thought. And I think I just love that you reiterated the importance of us having a little bit of fun or our, our personality being a part of our family culture. Because I think when we think there's only one right way of doing things, we steal a lot of joy. But when we are led by joy, you know, as a family, we do love to travel. We love to garden. We love to be outside. When we're led by joy in our families, our children will have a better outcome than if we're trying to go against our design or against who we are as people. So this has been so encouraging, Ginny. I know that families listening are going to be excited about starting to figure out, like, what are we about? What do we love? And I think, you know, reading your books, A Thousand Hours Outside books can really give them inspiration about what matters in childhood, what really makes a difference for child, for children. And then also um, the Peaceful Press has a family vision guide that can really help people figure out what are your values? Because if you know that, then you can develop your own family rule, your own family culture and practices that reflect those values. Yes. Yes. Because then you know your non-negotiables and you know your negotiables. You know, you say, look, these are the things that every day we're going to include. And these are the things that we're going to include when we can. Even with schoolwork, we do that. We have subjects that are non-negotiables. We want to make sure we're doing these things most days. And then if it's snowing and we're buried in, then we're going to add in, or if it's a rainstorm and there's thunder and like we're stuck home for whatever the reason, then we're going to add in some of these other things. But it doesn't have to be an everyday thing. And like you said, your vision of what you find to be important is what guides those daily decisions. Yeah, so good. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you. I love you, Jen. This was awesome. I love you too. You're the best. 